On the virtual Bible study tonight, we're going to talk about some difficult verses. You know, there are a lot of people who think the Bible is just impossible to understand. And, and they say there's so many hard verses. There's so many difficult subjects. They just almost give up even trying to comprehend the Bible, which we think is a bad reaction to the problem. But there are some difficult places in the Bible. And, and there's some verses that are harder to understand. We want to talk about that tonight. Now, are we going to talk about the answers to those uh, it, somewhat, but we're going to basically talk about the general principle of difficult passages and how we should handle them. Oh, well, I'm afraid our listeners are going to get scared and run away. It's going to be too too challenging of a, a program, but no, but no. You're, we're going to break it down for them. Yeah, we're going to make it easy. All right, don't go anywhere. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible and Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September 20th, 2018. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, joins me tonight. Dad, welcome. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Glad you're here. And we've got a room full of uh, guests tonight. Uh, Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. And my father-in-law, Nick Law, is here uh, from Jennings, Florida. Nick, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be with you all tonight. Yeah, glad that you're here. And uh, Bobby uh, from the congregation is here with us tonight, uh, setting in. And so we've got a full uh, full house, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you as well at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. If you're listening to us live, uh, sign in the chat room with other listeners. If you've never been to our website, it is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you're maybe listening to us on Apple Podcast or uh, some other podcast receiver, check out our website. And uh, while you're there, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and get a free bumper sticker to help us spread the hey, word. Hey, listen, I got a request just yesterday from uh, from Darren in New York. It's connected in New York. And he said, send several. I'll share them. Hey, thanks, Darren. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so get yours and help us spread the word. And they go really nicely on your back window, so you don't have to worry about your paint or your bumper. You just put them right on that glass in that window, come right off, and uh, you can help uh, get other folks to join in the discussion and the study because we do believe it is better when we have lots of folks that join in. Tonight on the program, uh, this is a sort of a challenging subject. Yeah, I think all of us have heard people say, the Bible is just so confusing, I can't make any sense out of it. Uh, I think probably all of us have heard that kind of a sort of frustration trying to understand the Bible. I actually think, unfortunately, a lot of people use that for an excuse. They haven't really tried to understand the Bible. They just They just have assumed the Bible is so hard to understand, there's no use trying, and so they don't even try. Uh, but we believe that the Bible can be understood. Let me, let me share with you a couple passages from the book of Ephesians. Uh, we, we've used these a number of times uh, throughout the years on the virtual Bible study. But in Ephesians 3, verse 2, Paul said, You have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I afore wrote in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And so Paul there basically describes the process of revelation. He was inspired. Things were revealed to him. He wrote them down. And he says, we can read it. We can understand it. And, and so the, that seems pretty straightforward. Now, and he did talk about it being a mystery there. but uh, It had previously it had been previously a mystery. Been, it's not like no. currently something mystical that nobody can understand. Yeah. And then in the same epistle, Ephesians 5, verse 17, Ephesians 5, 17, Paul says, Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I think that's kind of interesting because we're actually commanded to understand. And and uh, it would not be in the nature of God to command us to do something that we're not able to do. We can understand uh, the Bible. Uh, and, and so having said that, let's talk about some of the some of the difficulties in in accomplishing that understanding. Talk about some of the difficult verses and the challenging subjects that come up. All right. Nick, you ever talked to anybody that said that uh, the Bible is just too hard to understand? Uh, I've had people that 
uh, would say that it was difficult, but, uh, you know, you try to encourage them to read it. It's like most anything, you've got to spend a little bit of time at it. And, of course, I've always been confident with a verse like John 8:32, where Jesus says you can know the truth and the truth can set you free. So if our Lord told us that the truth is knowable, you know, people should understand that he's not given us something uh, and been unfair to us and yeah. provided it in such a way that we couldn't understand it. That's right. I, it just wouldn't be in the nature of a loving God to put rules out there, but to to camouflage them so thoroughly in, in, uh, in language that normal people can't or you know, can't uh, understand or contemplate, that just wouldn't be in his nature. You know, I think a lot of people, though, today use it to justify the fact that they just don't want to have any religious conflict. They don't want to be adamant about anything that the Bible teaches. You know, because after all, the Bible is just sort of fuzzy. It's it's complicated. It's it's all mysterious, and so you and it's subject to these very. You got your, your way of understanding. Your you, past. You come to it with. You've got your interpretation. I've got mine. Yeah, but so yeah, so we'll just have to agree to disagree because yeah. it's just nobody can really understand it, and you, your understanding of it's going to be different than mine, and we're just going to have to yeah. agree and get along. And we and what we're saying is we deny that. Absolutely, we deny that. Uh, but. We, uh, well, first of all, let's, let me read to you the questions we put out to our update list earlier today. We always try to do that. If you're not on our update list, get on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. We'll do it. If you were on our list earlier today, you got these questions describing what we want to talk about here. First, do you agree that there are some difficult verses or subjects in the Bible? Does the Bible itself acknowledge that there are difficult verses and subjects? Okay. And then, if there are such verses and subjects, what is the wrong approach in dealing with those things? Okay. Secondly, yeah, we wanted to make some comments about things that cause some passages to be more difficult. Those would include things like figures of speech, symbolic language, dual meanings and fulfillments of certain prophecies, and so forth. Number three, how should we react if a Bible verse appears to contradict other Bible verses? Okay. And then, which I think is very important for all of us to have some potential explanations that resolve these apparent contradictions. We don't believe, we don't believe the Bible contradicts. And if a passage appears to contradict another one, we need to be able to explain how that can be resolved. Okay. And then finally... We want to comment on the fact that some of the things that people are say are hard to understand are only hard to understand because if you understand them, it puts them in the spot of having to do something they don't want to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sword we'll, is we'll cutting. Get to that. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to that at the end. All right. 877-381-4567 is the number to call tonight. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, in the chat room, Stephen mentions a lot of people who only read the King James have trouble understanding you know that might be the case. I mean, I'm a King James reader. I'm not a I'm not a King James only person. I believe there are a lot uh, a number, not necessarily I wouldn't necessarily use the word a lot, but there are a number of reliable English translations of the Bible. I grew up with the King James. It's what sounds right to me because I'm so used to it. So I typically use it, although I I always uh, frequently make reference to other translations. But I do think some people. Uh, like Stephen says, they, they have a little problem with King James, uh, old grammar of the King James. Yeah. And if that's the case, man, look at one of the newer versions, like the New American Standard Version. Uh, I think uh, I've, I've read it some. I'm using some uh, references to the English Standard Version, which is a newer one. A lot of people seem to think that it's a good, reliable translation. New King James Version is a good one, and, and it gets rid of some of that archaic language. Uh, uh, Stephen in Chatham says perhaps 100 archaic words in the King James Version. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's horrible, but it, it, if you're not used to it, it can throw you off. You could resolve that real easy by getting a newer, reliable. Be careful, though. And, and actually, we have a program in our archives on the Virtual Bible Study where we talked about Bible translations Make sure you get a reliable one because there are some of them out there that are not good translations. All that really aren't even actual translations. Uh, for instance, the Living Bible, which a lot of people uh, really like, it's not even a translation. Uh, somebody went through and par- they they didn't even go back to the original Greek. They took English translations and paraphrased it and put it in their own words. Yep, you got to be careful. You got to make sure so, you're reading something that is a, a translation. 
a do a little one. research, but I, th I think Stephen makes a good point. If you find the the sort of old-fashioned English of the King James confusing, and a number of people do, go to a newer translation. That's that's an easy fix. All right. The comments are coming in in the chat room. Dwight in uh, Ames, Iowa tonight says the wrong approach is not studying it, that is the Bible, or not wanting to understand it or ignoring it altogether. So one person just doesn't study it, and uh, then they're, they're not going to understand it. One is not wanting to understand it, as you mentioned maybe, uh, the consequences of understanding are too great. And then just plain old ignoring it. Some people do study the Bible or read it, but they just ignore what it says, don't make application. Thank you, Dwight, for your comments tonight. And Rick says, to say we can't understand the Bible alike does either one or both of two things. It either must say God wanted to reveal his will in a way we could understand it, uh, but was not intelligent enough to do so, therefore, for, uh, thereby impeaching the knowledge and wisdom of God. So, he says, if you're saying we can't understand the Bible, then that's saying that, well, God wanted us to understand it, but he wasn't smart enough to figure out how to say it so we could. He couldn't get it on our level. Yeah. Or God was just insensitive to man and did not reveal his word in a way man could understand, therefore, or thereby impeaching the love and mercy of God. Ah, which end of the horn do they really want to take? Good, but good I think Rick. Rick's exactly right. If you say the, the Bible is impossible to understand, you are casting off on God. I wow. Mean, don't you agree? Wow. I think Rick lays it out there yeah, for us, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Donna, who's down in Florida, says, I even I don't even bother with King James. I don't understand it. Well, Okay, that's fine. Okay, no problem. And we're not here to defend the King James at all. Uh, I think it's uh, still a, a good and effective translation, although if if you didn't grow up with it like I did, you probably did too. You grew Nick. up with King James? Yeah. Yeah, back in 1611, <laughs> me and King James were in school together. Yeah. That was, that was playground uh, language there in your day, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh it's it I, I, I like the language. I think it's beautifully worded. I it, it, and 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 if you've been if you've studied it and read it a lot, then you've found some of those words that you need to understand in their old yeah, sense. Yeah, we one of the kids in the Bible class the other night, we were talking about the uh the dream Pharaoh had about the seven Fat cows and seven skinny cows, and King James calls it kine. K K I N E. Yeah, and the, the girl was like, well, "What's a kine? Well, that's a cow. Once you understand that, that's fine. But yeah. maybe a young child has a little trouble with yeah. some of that old language." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so let, let's ask this first question: Do you agree that there are some difficult verses and subjects in the Bible? And the answer is yes. We agree that there are. You know, to me, it's not too surprising that a book that deals with the most important subjects of all time, uh, the most important things of, of history, the most important things of life, uh, it's not too surprising that a book that deals with the most critical and essential facts known to man would have some parts of it that are a little deeper, a little harder to understand. Well, yeah, you'd think. That's really not surprising. And actually, the Bible itself acknowledges that there are some such verses. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 2, Paul said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for here, hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Paul said there are some things that are like milk, easy to digest, easy to take in, and there are other things that are like meat. Uh, you've got you to have a more advanced digestive system to eat meat, a baby can't digest meat. You, an old, it, it, you have to be older before you... And, and the same thing is true spiritually. There are things that are the milk of the word. Peter said um, that there, there, the desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Well, that sounds sort of simple. Uh, so there, there's milk, but there's also meat. Yeah. Uh, Paul was talking about that in Hebrews 5. Beginning verse 12, he says, The time when you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Uh, actually, the Hebrew writer there is sort of rebuking the people that and, and says, you know, you, you should have actually matured past the need for milk. You you have been a Christian long enough that you ought to be able to take on some of the harder parts of the word, the strong meat, but you're not, he said. And, and he, he was rebuking them for that. But 
but what we're pointing out is in saying so, he acknowledges that there are more difficult parts of the Bible. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Let's get a break, uh, and when we get back, we'll get your thoughts. Dwight says, I find that using my Strong's Concordance helps me to understand words and uh, to help me understand the verse. And then uh, I guess 1276 says, Both the King James Version and Strong's Concordance were written before folks knew much about the common Greek that the Bible was written in. I think it is dangerous to use those documents when much more accurate ones exist today. Plus, old King James had his hand in some of the passages and an axe to grind, had an axe to grind. Yeah, but that's pretty minor, and we know where they are. I okay. mean, for instance, in Acts 12, we, we read about um, Easter. Easter. Uh, we know that the word baptism is an anglicized word. Uh, they didn't translate it. They didn't translate it for what it means. It means immersion. They just made a new English word. We understand those weaknesses. And we, and, and we understand there are weaknesses in the King James. There are weaknesses in all the translations, uh, some a lot worse than others. Uh, but uh, I don't agree that the King James translators didn't know much about the common Greek. I do not agree with that analysis. All right, we're going to get a break, and uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Real integrity is doing the right thing, knowing that nobody's going to know whether you did it or not. When opportunity knocks, a grumbler complains about the noise. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about difficult difficult passages and challenging subjects. And what do we do when we come across those? 877-381-4567 is the number to call to be on the program tonight. Guest 1276 says, did you know that they called it Holy Spirit Greek because they thought it was a dialect and vocabulary that they thought only existed in the Bible? It was many, many years later that Koine Greek came to be understood. I, I, I would have to see the documentation on that one two seven six. I, I, that's, that's not my understanding at all. But that's really we, we're, our purpose tonight is not to defend the King James version. But that, that, uh, your observations about the King James and that the translators didn't know the common Greek, is in my understanding completely. Uh, not founded in in fact. Stephen says King James translators did not have full access to the Greek, but Revel- there, there were there have been manuscripts discoveries since the King James version was made. Relied heavily on the Latin Vulgate because of the war between Protestants and Catholics. There have been man there. It is acknowledged that there have been manuscript discoveries since the King James was made. Okay, we will acknowledge that. All right, but we're not here to talk about translations tonight. And there is, as I said, a, a uh, archived program about translations and you can you can review that if you like and we can talk about it again in a future broadcast if that's uh something people want to do all right uh but uh, again we understand that the bible does have some difficult places to understand uh i was thinking of isaiah 55 8 and 9 where god says my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways saith the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Actually, part of, I think part of the big problem of, is that God had the awesome responsibility of trying to convey to our finite minds things that we can't really even comprehend. It's hard for us to think about infinite things it's hard for us to think about eternal things because we are we are people we are beings that are confined by time and space our whole existence is measured by time and space where were you when were you there god is not limited in that way at all and and so god uh, but we think he can we think he's all powerful therefore he certainly could do it but the uh, the the, the 
the difficulty is we have limited finite minds and the infinite God is communicating to us uh, in ways to help us understand him. And that's a, diff- that's a difficult connection. All right. Uh, Nick, any thoughts? Well, I think you've already pointed out that sometimes it's hard to explain things to a person when we have preconceived ideas in our mind. Uh, there in he- the Hebrew uh, letter a moment ago, as you pointed out in verse 11, he says of whom he's talking about Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say, hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And I think we'll get into more of that a little later about the hardness. It depends upon our disposition, our preconceived ideas, and if whether we're going to the Bible to let it see what God has actually revealed to us. Because, you know, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and points out that, you know, he doesn't declare the gospel with human wisdom or human words, but it's, it's the Holy Spirit revealing the mind of God with spiritual spiritual things yeah and exactly comparing right. them in, in that right way so we we have to make sure that we we uh look to what the word of god is bringing to the interpretation if you will rather than us having a private interpretation i think you're right all right um but i like your i like your your points there about the fact that uh we couldn't understand all the things that god could have told us if he had told us and so yeah. Uh, you know, people a lot, of, a lot of folks like to get into those, and maybe make some difficult and challenging subjects and verses because they're trying to get into a realm that's we don't have any business being in. Yeah, all we know is what God has chosen to tell us. Yeah, and we, but He has told us in a way that we can yeah. understand, as we point out. Yeah. Now, so our first point is: sure, there's hard places in the Bible. We acknowledge that, and the Bible itself acknowledges that there are more difficult sections of the Bible. But we ask, what's the wrong thing to do with these difficult verses? Well, the wrong thing to do is to, as we said, give up, stop trying, make no effort to understand. And then it's also wrong for us to take those difficult verses and twist them to come to some false conclusion. Notice what Peter said, Second Peter 3, beginning verse 15. Peter said, Account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. Notice, Peter says, some of the things Paul wrote are hard to understand. He, I'm, I'm pretty sure, Nick, you were talking about the book of Romans there, but I couldn't prove it. <laughs> I think Romans is the, is the hard book in the New Testament. But he says some of the things that Paul wrote are hard to understand. But notice what he says. Which they which are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures to their own destruction. Um, and so Peter says, sure, there's some things hard to understand. Paul wrote some things hard to understand. But what you don't want to do is take those and twist them and pervert them and, and, and cause them to lead you to an unfounded conclusion. One of the simple rules of Bible study is that we ought to allow the easy parts to help us understand the more difficult parts. We're going to talk in a minute about the fact that the scriptures don't contradict themselves. Right. And so if I've got a very plain statement in a passage that I can understand very easily, then here's another passage that's more difficult, but it can't contradict that one, that the easy one. It, this hard one can't contradict the easy one. And so... I can go with an understanding of of this easy passage I understand, and it can help me understand the more difficult one because those two have to harmonize. That's right. Yep. Uh, so we you, you you need to ground yourself on those ones that are very clear and understandable, and then that will help you to put those more difficult ones into perspective. Nick. Yeah. Points out there in in Second Peter also that it's hard to understand, not impossible. Oh, good yeah. point. And, and and we need to make sure that we don't come away. With this, just good, really good point. Really good point. Second Peter 3 there, verses 15 and 16, he says there are some things hard to be understood, but he didn't say they're impossible to understand. I think that's right. a good observation, okay. Nick. All right. Kyle, anything? Uh, no, it's uh, just make sure as we're studying our Bibles that we're making sure that we're reading it for ourselves and not only what the preacher says on the Sunday, that, not, not that that be our only exposure to our Bibles. And let, uh, I don't think we should... 
I'm not trying to get off on our, or I'm not going to get off on our rant or anything about the Catholic, the papacy and the laity. You know, it's just I think or the, or the priesthood and the laity. I think it's something we need to make sure that we're reading our Bibles for ourselves. And that's a good point, Kyle. <clears throat> and Dad, as you're preparing sermons, uh, um, is there any way to uh, that you feel like you could adequately cover all the scriptures that we need in our daily life on two sermons a week? No, I mean obviously that the. the when we come together, when we have Bible classes or when we have worship and, and sermons are preached, they're going to deal with, hopefully going to deal with important biblical themes and topics, but you're not going to get enough of it that way. You're, you're, right. you're going to have to dig in personally if you're going to understand. Right. Nick? Yeah, I see. I, I can see just in my short life of preaching, uh, you, you preach sermons and maybe you keep and I always kept a record of what I preached and when I preached it uh, but you, you'll see that young people are growing up and over time uh, they're not accountable maybe or they're maybe hearing your sermon and, and it might be several years in between with just the times we meet together before you will bring that topic back up again that is in full detail and then all of a sudden you realize you need to preach those sermons over and over and, you know, help people build upon that. And and so that so people need to be reading their Bibles at home. They need to be coming and bringing their children to Bible classes, and then they need to uh, uh, be studying further than what yes. they just exactly. hear the sermon, as Kyle pointed out. That's exactly right. All right. Uh, what, how much time we Let's got? Do you want to get a break? Let's go ahead and get grab a break. When we come back, we want to talk about some things that can cause some of the difficulty Figures of speech, uh, symbolic language, uh, dual meanings uh, of certain prophecies, and so forth. And so some folks maybe get off in the weeds because they don't understand the, some of those literary, literary elements being used. Yeah, exactly. All right. Okay, so we're going to get a break and uh, get a bullet point, and we'll get your thoughts. Send them in. Uh, call them in. We'll be back right after this. Wow. It isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. The Bible tells us about the intense persecution that was endured by early Christians. We know that many were imprisoned and a large number were put to death. Uninspired historical accounts give us additional information about the terrible trials and sufferings of those first disciples. We're told that the Christians in the city of Rome faced great danger when they assembled together for worship. Because of this, they were often forced to hold their meetings in secret places. We know that sometimes they met in the catacombs, which were underground cemeteries. Evidence from those secret meetings can still be seen today. It is said that at the height of the persecution, members of a family would leave for worship at different times so they would not generate suspicion from neighbors. They changed their meeting place and the time of the assemblies each week to avoid being discovered. Did you ever wonder how these early saints would react if they were able to comment about the practice of their modern-day brothers and sisters? Don't you imagine that they would be shocked to learn about the things that keep some Christians from attending all the worship assemblies and Bible studies? What was it that kept you from the assemblies last week? Too tired? Too busy? A school function? A ball game? A band concert? A vacation trip? Relatives out of town visiting? A fishing trip? A round of golf? A minor sniffle or headache? Just didn't feel like coming? What was it? Stop for a minute to think what those persecuted Christians of the first century would say if they heard your excuses. Why did those people take such risk? Why did they suffer so much? The answer is obvious. They loved the Lord and were committed to his service. What about you? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program, again, is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We want you to find out more about us on our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And if you're anywhere near Columbia, Tennessee, we'd like for you to come and find out about us in person at one of our assemblies. Find out where and when we meet at thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and uh, send us an email, questions at collegeu.com, with any comments you might have or suggestions for uh, what we might talk about on future editions of the program or to get your bumper sticker or just to let us know that you're out there. We'd like to hear from you, questions at collegeview.com. All right, so here's some of the things that I think throw people off, and, and, and if we're going to be good students, we're going to be aware of these potentialities and, and uh, sort of, prepare to deal with them when they come up guest 1276 in the chat room says so what do you do when someone says oh that verse can be taken figuratively or that was a cultural thing how do we know when it is literal or figurative and when it is a cultural or eternal thing 
And what uh, point? At, at what point do we divide when we can't agree? Well, that's the challenge. I, I, I don't know that we have all the answers to that, but but I do think, for instance, as we look at context, we can determine whether a thing's literal or figurative, whether it was cultural or whether it was something that was always meant to be. The the verse, a specific verse in question, might not be clear on that, but the context in which it's made will help, and the broader context of the whole Bible will help us with that. Stephen Let's, says there are three rules of exegesis. One, context. Number two is context. Number three is context. I think that's right. Uh, context has got to be used to help us make sure we've got a proper application of it. Let, let's, talk, let's talk about some of this first. Let me give you an example. Okay. Figures of speech. Figures of speech can throw people off. For instance, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Yeah. Have you ever talked to the Jehovah's Witnesses who will go to that verse and say, See, yeah. the earth is never going to be destroyed. The Jehovah's Witnesses have this peculiar doctrine that the earth is never going to be destroyed. Yeah. And this is one of their proof texts, because Jesus said, The meek shall inherit the earth, therefore the earth is not going to be destroyed. But if, if you took that at face value, then that would contradict Second Peter 3, verse 10, which says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Yes. So, is the earth going to abide forever? The meek will inherit the earth. Does that suggest the earth is never going to be destroyed? But Second Peter 3, 10 clearly says it will be destroyed. Well, what we have to do, if we study a little bit, what we find out is that that expression, inherit the earth, was an idiomatic expression among the Jews. It was a figure of speech. And it came from the fact that the Jews had been promised Canaan land. They'd been promised, the, the promised land was, was, was held out to them as, as their hope. And so the expression, actually the expression could literally and maybe even more accurately be, instead of inherit the earth, inherit the land mm -hmm. and so the jews used that expression it was just an expression that they used to suggest something good let some something good will happen to you uh, and i might just wish you well by saying inherit the land yeah inherit the, or and it came to be said in the english inherit the earth and so if we know that if we and, and we can establish that by a little bit of study that this was a common idiomatic expression among the jews and there, so we shouldn't uh, force a meaning on it that would contradict the clear statement in another place of Scripture. All right. I think I see that. See that? Yeah. All right. So th that's, that's uh, the idea of making sure that the context of the whole Bible agrees. If we, if we begin with the premise that God is perfect and would not produce a contradictory Bible, then our challenge becomes to harmonize all parts of it and and in order to do that, we can explain Ephesians, or Matthew 5, 5, inherit the earth, in the sense that it was meant simply to say, if you're a meek person, good things will happen to you. Right. You will be blessed. Right. Okay. All right. So figures of speech or idioms, symbolic language is, is, a, is a thing that we have to be careful to understand. Um, if I told you, we use figurative language all the time in our daily conversations. And what we, what we do is we use figurative language typically to emphasize a point. If I told you it rained cats and dogs at my house the other day, you wouldn't for an, even an, an inkling imagine that I meant literally cats and dogs no. fell out of the sky. That's, a, that's a, a symbolic expression that we use, and you would know that I meant it rained really hard. Right. right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't try to force a literal meaning on that figurative expression. No. We do that a lot. We use figurative expressions all the time. Typically, we use them for emphasis. The same thing is generally true in the Bible. For instance, in the book of Revelation, the very first verse, Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel, Unto his servant John. Well, right there, the very first verse of Revelation tips us off to be on the lookout for some symbolic language, signs, mm -hmm. things spoken in signs, things spoken in symbols, figurative language. Right. 
uh, uh, there's a number. We, we won't dive off into this tonight, but there's a number of false doctrines that hinge upon trying to force literal interpretations on figurative language in the book of Revelation. Uh, for instance, the Jehovah's Witness doctrine of 144,000, the premillennial doctrine of, of Jesus reigning for a thousand years. Those have their basis on trying to force literal meanings on figurative expressions found in the book of Revelation. We've got to be really careful about that because anytime you try to force a literal meaning on a figurative expression, you're always going to get in trouble. And so, again, it challenges us to analyze the text and see if the passage is intended to be literal or figurative. Sometimes that's a challenge, but it can be done if, as we said, we look at the context. All right, 877-381-4567. Give us a call with your comments tonight. All right. And then uh, uh, we also mentioned dual meanings uh, and dual fulfillments. Let me read a prophecy in Samuel 7, verse 12. In 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, there was a promise made to David. Mm-hmm. When the, thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Well, when it talks about David's son and establishing his kingdom, you think Solomon. And actually, First Chronicles 28 applies that prophecy to Solomon, mm-hmm. the, the fulfillment of that prophecy. But in Luke chapter 1 in the New Testament, that prophecy is linked to its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ, who was of the seed of David. And so actually there's two fulfillments. There's a near-term fulfillment uh, in, in Solomon, but there's the, the greater and, and, and more complete fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So sometimes the, the, that can cause uh, a little confusion, but again, a, a careful study. And, 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 and we are in such a place, we have the advantage of a lot of people's scholarly investigations of the Scripture and and we so I'm reading that I'm having, I'm really having trouble looking. Well, I can I can go to some reference books. I can even get online these days and put in a few searches and come up with an understanding of that dual fulfillment of prophecy. All right, um, Nick, thoughts? I, yeah, I agree with the points that Greg is making. Uh, he made the point earlier about how that uh, sometimes we take the. Uh, symbolic and make it literal you can also take verses like sometimes brethren do that are literal like i believe second peter three is talk about the dissolving of the heavens and the earth and and they'll make it figurative so you can go the reverse order on that as well okay all right we've got a lot of chatting going on in the chat room we're not able to keep up with all that so uh, you all have forth in the chat room and if, if we can catch some comments that we can throw in with our discussion we'll do so but there's quite a bit of chatting, more than we've had in recent weeks. There's a lot, of, a lot of conversation going on in the chat room, so keep it up, guys. Okay. All right. All right. So we, we talked about uh, the fact that the Bible definitely acknowledges there are harder parts to understand. We acknowledge that. Nobody's, nobody's denying it. But we are emphatic that we believe the Bible can be understood if we will apply ourselves. Uh, we certainly shouldn't use the hard verses to contradict clearer passages and then come up with some false doctrine. Be aware of figurative uh, language. Be aware of figure of speech. Be aware of dual fulfillments. Be aware of some of those kind of things that can cause some of these complications. All right. Now, we asked the the follow-up question, how should we react if a Bible verse appears to contradict other Bible verses? What should we do with that? I hear that quite frequently, that, oh, that there's a contradiction there. Yeah. A lot of uh, skeptics especially want to look at things and pull things out of the, the Scriptures and say, look here, a that's a contradiction with yeah. what that says. Well, as I was saying earlier, we, we have to start out with the premise that the Bible does not contradict itself. Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them through thy word, excuse me, sanctify them, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Truth uh, does not contradict itself. Uh, mathematical truth, for instance, is consistent. It doesn't. It's the four. Uh, two plus two is four. 
always, not sometimes. It's true. It's a mathematical truth. Two plus two is four. You're not going to find a case where there's a different answer to that question. Bible truth is the same. Bible truth does not contradict itself. So if there's a verse that appears to contradict something else in the scripture, then there has to be an explanation that will resolve that. It's an apparent contradiction, but it's not a sustainable contradiction. And that's a thing we've mentioned many times in the past on the virtual Bible study. Uh, whole books have been written on this subject. We're obviously just going to be able to touch the hem of the garment tonight. But, uh, for instance, John W. Haley wrote a book, Alleged Discrepancy of the Bible. It's a standard reference work in, in lots of people's libraries. And in it, he documents probably thousands of verses where people say, oh, I see, I see a potential contradiction there. And then he shows how that, can, that potential contradiction can be resolved. It's a good book to have in your library, John W. Haley on uh, alleged alleged discrepancies in the Bible. Okay. Uh, but, you know, if there is an apparent contradiction, there may be several different possible explanations that resolve the contra- uh, contradiction. We only need one. If, we, if, if there's one potential way that the contradiction can be resolved, then it's not a contradiction. Hey. Many instances, there are multiple ways that we could possibly resolve it, but all we need is one. And if we have one potential explanation of a proposed contradiction in the Scriptures, it's not a contradiction. And so sort of like what you do on a, on a trial. Someone is alleged to be a murderer. If he has one viable alibi, you can't convict him, right? Possibly. I, I, mean, I guess that might not be a perfect example, but it's sort of along that right, line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. They right. might get. They, they might. They might disprove his alibi, I suppose. But if, if if his alibi stands, then you can't convict him. It may or may not have been, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, any thoughts, guys? Anybody? Okay. All right. right. uh, Why don't we get a break? All right. Let's grab our last break. We'll finish up talking about discrepancies on the other side, and then we'll go to the top of the hour. Really get down to the heart of it here. What do you do when people just say it's hard because they don't want to accept it and apply it in their life? And that's probably more common than we'd like to think. We'll get that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Four five six seven. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Among U.S. adults who attend church regularly, 69% say a very important reason they do so is so their children will have a moral foundation. 68% say it is to become a better person. 66% say it is for comfort in times of trouble or sorrow. Far fewer cite their family's religious tradition, only 37%, or a feeling of religious obligation, 31%, as the reasons for their steady religious attendance. While even fewer cite socializing and meeting new people, 19%, or pleasing their spouse or family, 16%, are the key reasons they attend church regularly. Among those who do not attend religious services, 28% say it is because they are not believers, 37% say they practice their faith in other ways, 23% say they haven't found a church or other house of worship that they like, while 18% say it's because they don't like the sermons. That information is via Pew Research Center. The Word of God says in Matthew 22, verse 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. Hey, we're back on the program. We're chatting. We have a little <laughs> room chat here. we got to pay attention to the program. Hey, uh, we're talking about uh, the contradictions, the apparent contradictions. What do you do when you got an apparent contradiction? Uh, 
Uh, let me, I've got a list. This I didn't generate this list, but this is a pretty good list. Some some explanations of apparent contradictions. First of all, it may be that statements were made in different times. For instance, in in Genesis chapter one verse thirty one, at the end of the creation, God said everything was very good. Yes, yes, yes. But then in Genesis chapter six verse six. It said it, repent, he, it repented him that he'd even made the earth. It was very bad. Was very bad. So is it good or is it bad? Well, it was good when he said it was good and bad when he said it was bad. And, and But there were, they were times dis, distinctly distant from one another. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not a contradiction, although you could read that and say, well, yeah, he contradicted himself. No, they, statements made differently. And you could apply that principle to other things. Some statements are made by uninspired people. For instance, Job's wife said, curse God and die. Well, if you just read that phrase, curse God and die. Well, wait a minute. I, don't, I didn't think we were supposed to curse God. I thought there was even... Uh, you no, know, it says some, you should right there. Yeah, it says you should curse God and die. No. Understand that that's an inspired account of the words of an uninspired person. So she actually said that, and that's an accurate recording of what she said. But she wasn't inspired when she said it. And so understand that. Uh, understand the uh, uh, perspective of a statement. Uh, in in Matthew, or excuse me, in Isaiah chapter nine verse six, Isaiah said that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace. Right? But in Matthew chapter ten, beginning verse thirty four, Jesus told the disciples, "When you go out, take a sword with you." Oh, if this is a peaceful kingdom, why do you need to take a sword? Well, understand, the one perspective was about that Jesus would be the prince of peace in the sense that he would bring peace with God. In the other sense, Jesus was sending his disciples out on, on uh, 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 an evangelistic work. And there would be lots of reasons to have a sword in hand. Uh, and, and we understand that people did use swords for other than military Fighting. Matthew ten thirty four. Think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Yeah. As the Prince of Peace, not come to send peace. So those were statements made with different perspectives yeah. in view. Yeah. Right. Uh, there, uh, there are different events that describe similar things. For instance, uh, John describes Jesus cleansing the temple but has it in the last week of Jesus' life. And John talks about Jesus cleansing the temple, but it was the last week of his life. Matthew, Mark, and Luke mention it in, very early on in the, in the preaching work of Jesus. And so someone says, well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and John are contradicting one another. No. An easy explanation is they are, they are similar events, but they were different in time. Jesus did it twice. He cleansed the, the temple twice. He did it early on. He did it later on that's uh, an easy explanation no contradiction uh, so and then I think Stephen in the chat room mentioned uh, uh, discrepancies clerical discrepancies there are a few discrepancies that are clerical or I think maybe the word we would use are scribal you know that a scribe maybe when he was remember they didn't have printing presses they didn't have copy machines Every copy of the Bible that was ever made up until uh, recent times, uh, the last few, you know, the printing press is only a few centuries old now. Uh, so for, for centuries and centuries and centuries, every copy that was ever made was a handmade copy. The scribes were really super careful. And you can read about the, the extreme caution that they used to try and be accurate in making their copies. But there are some places where you can see a, a, a number that's been inverted instead of 18 maybe it was written 81 or something like that uh, you can document some of those scribal errors and again you can see past them you can see that it was just clearly something that a, a, a copyist made an error and it can be quickly resolved and corrected. all right i just want to stop 1276 hold that thought don't go anywhere stay with us we want to cover your, your comments at, at the end of the program uh because i, I don't agree with what you're saying uh but stay there Go ahead, Dad. Finish up. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's basically what I was going to say. Uh, there, there are different methods of computation. 
uh, you know, sometimes the way time is kept in the Bible, there there was a a a Roman or Greek method of timekeeping. There was a Jewish method of timekeeping. They weren't the same. And and if you're aware of that, when you're reading about the time of day, for instance, that are mentioned in one verse versus another, again, look at the context and know, and, and you can decide whether they were talking about Jewish timekeeping or Roman Greek timekeeping. And, and so just different means of computation, uh, various uh, different meanings applied to words, uh, multiple names for the same person. We know that often in the scriptures, the same person sometimes was called by more than one name. And all of those kind of things can help resolve uh, apparent contradictions. Okay. All right. Now, to your last question tonight. Okay. The, the last question we had is, it, uh, do we agree that sometimes the reason why things are hard to understand is because we really don't want to understand them because if we understand them, they put us in a spot to have to do something we don't really want to do, uh, and, and uh, might comment, might use as an example of that uh, what Jesus taught on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, which I think is really pretty straightforward. Matthew 19 verses 9 and 10, Jesus said, "Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her that is put away, doth commit adultery." His disciples said to him, if the case of a man be so, his wife is not good to marry. In other words, even his disciples said, man, that's hard. Jesus, you just put down a hard rule. It is a hard rule. And some people say, boy, I'll tell you, that divorce question is so difficult. I don't think you could ever understand it. Well, the reason they don't want to understand it is because if you understand it, it it condemns a lot of people in the marriages that they're in. And so it'd be easier to say, I just think that divorce question, Nick, I just think the divorce question is so hard to understand. I, 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 we're just going to have to agree to disagree because nobody can make heads or tails of that. They, uh, that's just an excuse because I don't want, uh, I typically, that comes from a person who does not want to accept the clear conclusion of the passage. That's correct. Uh, we, just, we just have to make sure that we're willing to submit our will to God's will and uh, apply the principles as they're set forth and they will guide us, everyone, to the same understanding. That's what Jesus' prayer, his prayer, you know, as he prayed that all the believers would uh, be of the same mind, the same judgment, uh, that we would follow the truth, and, and that's what people will come to the same understanding on every subject. When when we do understand it, yeah. usually that's the problem is either we don't understand it or we might understand it, as you're pointing out, and not wanting to apply i think paul was that way in acts uh the ninth chapter when he faced jesus jesus says it's hard for you to kick against the goads you know you've got an ox and and if he's kicking against the goad and i think saul is beginning to understand as he sees this vision and and over the teaching that is done that's exactly what he's doing and he quit doing that yeah, fortunately that's yeah. what people have to do they have to stop going against what is taught and and actually apply what is taught. Yeah. Right. Yes, but uh, when it's something that's difficult, then uh, an easy way out or an easy way around accepting it is just throw a little mud in the water yeah. and, and try and complicate it or confuse it. Or, uh, we can't really understand what that means. And, yeah. and that is temporary, too, because it won't hold up for eternity. Well, it's true. Uh, that, yeah. That's what people need to understand yep. as well. People don't want to understand baptism because that would mean their family members who passed away are now condemned, Dwight B. says. I think that's that's a, probably another good example of what we're talking about there. Okay. All right. So we certainly have to be careful of that. Well, we're just about no, out of time, no, but you no, said no, there's I, something in chat 1276, uh, 1276 said, um, uh, let me get back to 1276. 1276 says, there are a couple words I haven't heard tonight, mainly our need for grace and God's desire for us to be humble. Well, certainly no one here is arguing with either one of those concepts. We're just not on that subject. But I think maybe inherent with that, 1276 may be implying that we think that we don't need God's grace because we say that we can understand his word or that we're somehow being self-righteous if we say that we need to understand his word. 1276 goes on and says, these fights are just about winning and being right. And that certainly is not the case. We're not trying to be the one who... That, oh, we got all the answers. We figured it all out because somebody's taught us. But we do believe that the Bible says we can understand his word and 
that we must understand his word and that that we have a desire to be obedient to God, and that's why we want to understand his word. So I don't know what the beef is here. With that I'm going to hope, 1276, that people don't judge you as harshly as you're judging us in this matter. There's nothing that we said tonight that would be taken to deny our need for God's grace. There's nothing we said tonight that would that is intended to elevate ourselves or in pride to try and suggest that we have all the answers to the difficult verses and passages of the Bible. We're not saying we've got it all figured out. What we are saying is it can be done if we apply ourselves. We deny that the Bible is impossible to understand. And, and But I, again, I would just I would just hope that people would be kinder in judgment of you than you are of us. Well, in the, in the, these the implication of the comment is that, well, God's grace means you don't have to try to understand what his will is. That I'm just going to sort of, yeah, who cares if, what if God you go, said? If you go to Titus 2, uh, it's speaking of the grace yeah, of God. Right. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So God God has given us his grace. But the question is, is what does God's grace do? The very next verse says it teaches. If it teaches, that means there's instructions exactly. that each individual must follow. So we have to learn what the truth is in order to follow the truth. And we're talking about how do we understand the truth. That's right. And so as we look for the answer, we're going to see that the truth will bring every one of us into harmony with with the same idea. It it won't be differing. If there's there's failure to understand or or you understand it one way and I understand it, then there's something. The failure is ours. Exactly. You know, and and so and we need to keep working at that. But uh, the, the word of God is perfect. And his revelation to us is comprehensible, and we just we just need to apply ourselves. But we we are not suggesting that we've got all the answers or we've got it all figured out. That's why we keep studying. That's why for over 13 years we've been doing a program like this is try and help one another as we study God's word. Here we go. You guys say are saying you're not high and mighty, and then being high and mighty. No, we're not. We're your implication. You're implying that we think that we're holier than thou or that we don't need God's grace when we just say that we need to understand God's word and we talk about ways that we can't understand it. Uh, so I don't guess I understand where uh, the objection is. Uh, he disagrees. 1276 says, well, he must not care as much as we do. No, that's not what we're implying in our answers. Uh, but uh, So uh, 1276, we'd love to talk with you further about that. Uh, again, do we need God's grace? Absolutely. Do we have to be humble? Yes. Can we understand God's word and his will? Absolutely. God told us that we could. You know, the the reason we talk about this, Nick, is because people are saying we can't understand God's word, and so there's no use even trying. Let them just do whatever you want to. Or, in fact, what some people are saying is, well, it's not God's word because there's contradictions. You can't understand it. It's just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. We're saying, no, it's God's word. We can understand it. And we must understand it, and we we want everyone to understand what God's will is for them in in our life. I don't. Uh, again, I have trouble understanding the objection. Yeah, we we started the program with the idea that God uh, commands us to understand what the will of the Lord is. He's given us a, a book that we can understand. I may not understand it on some point or several points, but it's not because it's not understandable. But when we do understand it. We see that Jesus' prayer was to have all those who believe to understand it alike. There's yeah. no way you can get around John 17 and say that you can have it your way or I can have it my way. It shouldn't be our way at all as far as understanding. The understanding has been revealed, but the question is, are we following it? And yeah. when we differ, that's always a red flag. We both can be wrong, but if we have have views that go in different directions, uh, oh, yeah. there's no way we and Both I've always heard right. that, Nick. I've always heard that. If we disagree, either I'm right and you're wrong, or you're right and I'm wrong, or we're both wrong. That's right. Uh, but we both can't be right and disagree about what the Bible teaches. Now, are there disagreements about the Bible? Well, of course there are. We understand that. We're not disagreeing with that. But we're stating the ideal. The ideal is if we understand the Bible, we understand it alike. Let's keep working to that end. All right. 1276, uh, help us out. We'd like to hear from you. Send us an email. Give us a call. Anyone that agrees or disagrees with us, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Questions at collegeview.com. 
and we'd like to talk about these things further. Good discussion tonight. Nick, thanks for joining us. Glad that you're here. Glad to be with you. And uh, Kyle, thank you for helping us get on the air tonight. It was good to be here. And Bobby, Bobby's waving in the back there. Bobby, thank you for being here. And uh, and Dad, uh, thanks for a good discussion. Thanks, Jacob. All right. We look forward to uh, being with you this time next week on the program. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.